right? I want you to insert uh, at this point now a line that Will says that's quite funny that he hasn't said. Yeah, a and joke. For, a, the, for the podcast. A snappy little one-liner. And here is the one-liner AI generated. Hi, I am AI Will, and I am probably funnier than the real Will. He is going to hate me saying this, but... So, okay, Will, what are the uses of AI then? Content creation is, is a big use area. Now, this could be everything from writing blog posts to press releases, social media content plans, whatever it might be. And, and like Chris said, it's not about replacing creativity. Crisis comms, believe it or not, can be something you can improve uh, through the use of AI. But why not actually ask AI, ChatGPT in particular, to actually pose scenarios based on parameters? Welcome to Socially Unacceptable, the only podcast for marketers and comms professionals that celebrates the big marketing mistakes and helps you learn practical lessons from other people's misfortune. Also, you can grow your brand quicker. I'm your host, Chris Norton, and I've worked in PR and marketing for more than 25 years, in more than seven agencies and in a number of in-house roles. I've even taught public relations at university. However, 13 years ago, I founded Prohibition to do PR differently. Today, Prohibition is Yorkshire's finest PR and social media agency, turning over more than seven figures every year. In this week's episode, we have no guests, so it's just Will and I, and we'll delve into the world of AI in marketing and public relations, and we'll examine how you can get the most from it. This week's going to be useful because we talk about tips, tricks, and strategies that you can use to help you get the most from AI in marketing. So sit back, relax, and let's hear how you can make the robots do all the work that you don't have to do. Welcome to Socially Unacceptable, from f***ups to fame, the marketing podcast that celebrates the professional mishaps, mistakes, and misjudgments while delivering valuable marketing and life lessons in the time it takes you to eat your lunch. Okay, everybody, welcome to Socially Unacceptable. Today's pod is a bit different to the normal, usual thing that you expect. It's based on some of the key insights from our recent AI webinar series. And we do, the, we do as you know, we do free events uh, online and on demand. We also do them live. Uh, and this one is the most recent one. We did it, um, we've been doing it over the last three months and it's sold out and we've had over 450 marketers attending it. So some of the debate and discussion will be around the topic um, which people found interesting uh, um, but we felt it deserved a bit more airtime, so we've brought it into the podcast medium. So today, we're also joined by nobody, because we don't have any guests, do we, Will? I am joined by William Mockenden, though. Welcome back to the show, Will. How does it feel? Uh, yeah, a bit strange doing it audio only, isn't it? Um, it means yeah. we can sit here in our pants, doesn't it, for a change, which is quite a nice um, nice thing to be able for to do. For all those viewers in black and white, we're not in our pants. Uh, you'll be pleased to know. I think um, AI is quite an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, it's probably the fastest moving medium in, in the marketing world at the moment. So, you know, you write a deck, you write a presentation on it, and then a week later, a hundred different things have changed, haven't they? So l- looking looking at this, a lot of what we talk about is timeless, but even, even though it's timeless... Um, Lots has happened, hasn't it? I think since we since yeah, and I think we've got a bit of AI malaise. I think I feel like people are like, oh, for f- God's sake! <laughs> the first five minutes can't have any swear words in it. Uh, oh God, not another uh, podcast on AI. Well, we're going to try and make it as useful and interesting and practical to you guys because we're not just going to talk about the ethics. We are going to talk a bit about that. We're going to talk about some of the things that have come up, such as. The Sam Altman hokey-cokey that's been going on over in California. We will, we'll touch on that. Uh, and there's been some interesting um, uh, developments in the, in the, in the area of um, Bard and a new product that's come out um, very, very recently. We'll touch on that too. But without further ado, let's get into the show. So, okay, Chris, uh, when it comes to AI then, how sophisticated are our brands and our marketers? Are, are people really using it? Are are they super sophisticated? Are they still kind of finding their way? What's, what's the landscape like? I think a lot of people have heard about AI and its role in marketing, but they don't know where to start. So some people, you know, there must be 90% of the people out here will be thinking, oh God, I've used ChatGPT, or I know I've got to. They know, they've heard about that. Um, they've probably experimented um, a little bit in marketing, but maybe it's not delivering any results, um, you know. Um, and they might have struggled to keep up with the developments in AI uh, and the best practice in the applications. Because let's face it, there's millions. So mm. we've done how many podcasts? We've probably mentioned AI in three or four of the podcasts. Uh, good, if, for, just for a little plug for the show, there's one with uh, Andrew Bruce Smith, 
where we talk about um, AI uh, a while ago, and we will be having a, um, a guy from um, who's a, a developer in AI in, in a few shows' time coming on the show as well. Because you cannot get away from the fact that AI is everywhere and is growing at a pace, which is why we've got so much uh, new stuff in the show as well. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point about ChatGPT. I think people look at AI and think it's just ChatGPT, but that's like looking at social media and thinking it's just Facebook, isn't it? There's actually thousands of different applications of AI, and often it's integrated into tools we use without us even knowing. So Teams, for example, has got various AI plugins, which we'll come on to, which people are probably using already. Um, So come on, let's start with a definition then, Chris. What is the definition of AI? Do you want to have a, uh, a punt at that? Okay, so just off the top of my head, AI or artificial intelligence refers to the development of computer systems that can perform tasks that typically require some kind of human intelligence. So Chris, AI isn't necessarily a new thing, is it? I think a lot of people think it came out last November. That's not the case, is it? No, uh, AI can be tracked back right back to 1955. But since then, AI has experienced loads of different cycles known as AI winters, which refer to periods of reduced interest and funding in AI research and development. However, recent advancements in deep learning, machine learning and data analytics have fueled the current AI upswing and why people are talking about much more and in much more depth is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I think um, we've we've looked at various um, kind of Google trend reports, haven't we? And, And literally, if you look at the last 10 years, there's a very low wiggly line. And then suddenly, last November, there's this huge spike in interest in, in, in AI. And that's not really gone anywhere, has it? Um, so let's have a look at the, the recent history then. So 2015, AI was, uh, OpenAI was officially founded. 2006, so only, you know, 2015, what's that? Eight years ago, eight, nine years ago. 2016, OpenAI Gym was released. 2018, OpenAI OpenAI introduces the concept of generative pre-trained transformers, so GPT-T. Uh, and then in 2019, OpenAI shifted um, from not non-profit, which has been a lot of debate about this in the media, by the way. It, it, OpenAI moved from non-profit status to capped profit. Don't ask me what the difference between non-profit and capped profit are. but It depends where the cap is, doesn't it? Yeah. A billion dollars it's capped at. In 2021, OpenAI released the first DALI e-generation AI model. And then in 2022, OpenAI released DALI 2 and then ChatGPT later in that year. So it's only 2022 when it was first released. And that is when it went mental. In 2023, Microsoft committed to a multi-billion pound dollar investment in OpenAI and ChatGPT 4 was released. Now that's the big thing for me. Microsoft invested heavily. Microsoft, who own pretty much... (laughs) A PC in everybody's homes. That was always the model of Microsoft. Now they've heavily invested in, in ChatGPT and OpenAI because they believed it's the future. They also own LinkedIn, remember? So all the developments that are going on in the background. Meanwhile, so that's 2023. That was that was like the history of it. And then we've had this what I call the Sam Altman hokey cokey. Will, what did you make of how OpenAI handled the Sam Altman saga? Well, it's um. To, for me, it's kind of classic Silicon Valley who who don't adhere to kind of corporate standards. They basically do what they want, don't they? So they they sacked some Sam Altman without telling Microsoft, apparently. Um, and then obviously there's a huge um, shitstorm as a result of that. Staff threatened to walk out. They then, which um, is quite impressive. All your staff. It was like a staff uprising, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean the the problem with Silicon Valley is they 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 do what they want. They don't take advice. They don't. Um, you know, when you announce um, the departure of somebody senior, you need some sort of succession planning, don't you? Yeah, in place. yeah, You definitely. need to be able to announce who is going to step into that role. Especially when it's someone as charismatic and well-known as Sam Altman. So not too long ago, Sam Altman was in the UK, over here in the UK, speaking at an AI summit with the, the Prime Minister of the UK and several leading world figures. He's a, a big influence in that sector. So how they handled this, I mean, how they worded the statement and everything was very interesting. We won't go into all the crisis yeah, comments I mean, on that. There was was a, there was a lot, there's a lot of questions posed by that about his, um, was it, it was talking about his inability to be completely transparent. And it was, it was very problematic, wasn't it, the statement. Microsoft then hire him, of course, and now he's gone back to... Um, Hence the hokey cokey reference. Yeah, um, very strange scenario. And then probably a hundred other big stories about um, AI in the space that this actually happened. So, um, you know, this week's papers, for example, talk about 
the Bank of England looking at clamping down on AI um, as um, you know, with concern around it manipulating the financial markets. Obviously, the US has started to clamp down on use of AI in the financial markets. Um, I read actually as well in Wikipedia, ChatGPT is the most Wikipedia'd um, term above Barbie and above Taylor Swift. So it's um, it remains a, a lively area to look at. I would say. Thanks for listening to the show. We pack it full of information and tips and advice to give you something to take away to your desks. But this little ditty is to remind you that we do real-life events as well. We do webinars, don't we, Will? We do. We do them quarterly-themed. We do about 12 to 15 a year. Correct. They're aimed at senior marketers. They're very value-orientated, aren't they? So they're And they're free! They are free, which is great. They last about an hour. And they're on the, the issues of the day, really, aren't they? We always do a trends one in January, which is really well subscribed yep. um, later this year for example we're doing one on ai we're doing one on link next generation linkedin use. podcasting super practical very very valuable in terms of the content we give they do sell out though don't they so yeah. we, we advertise those on our website visit prohibitionpr.co.uk and click on the events tab they're free you can sign up come along we'd love to have you on board because you know take your phone out your pocket and and join us on a webinar as well get to meet us that'd be great as i say they do sell out so sign up now <laughs> Uh, Here's a good quote that sums up how important AI is thought to be from Alphabet's CEO. And he says, AI is the most important thing humanity is working on. It is far more profound than both fire and electricity. I can tell you that in the winter in the UK, it isn't. (laughs) I could do with both the fire and electricity. But I get his point. AI is really, really important, and it's been such a big thing. And going back to what Will was just talking about in the effect it's had on Google searches, we just have to look at this graph that we'll we'll put in the show notes. But basically, you can see from when um, when we looked at the timeline before, when ChatGPT launched in 2022, just near the end of it, there's a massive uptick in how many people are searching for um, AI. And, and this is what caused a massive problem at Google because Google was caught with its pants down, allegedly, close brackets, um, because they they called it a red light moment. They were not expecting ChatGPT just to make it, uh, sorry, OpenAI to make ChatGPT open to the public to use. And it because it, it was so easy to use, people started talking about it. Then hence why Bard suddenly comes out and as brackets as an experiment. Now, what's happened since then? Very, very recently, Google has just launched an update to its AI, and this is the proper AI tool, and it's called Gemini. So Gemini is more than just a single AI model. It's got Gemini Nano, which is going to be available on Android devices. It's got uh, a thing called Gemini Pro, which will will be in more Google AI services, and it's also already into Bard. And then it's got Gemini Ultra, so there's like three levels of it, and Gemini Ultra is going to be really powerful and it's going to be used for data centers and enterprise applications. And basically, you've got to go and watch this video on YouTube. It's a game changer. The, the, you've seen it, haven't you, Will? And basically, they, what the, 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 on the demo video, what they do is he draws a number of pictures and asks the AI what he's drawing. And then the AI gives him references of what he's drawing. Then he asks it, how could this be made into a game? And the AI comes up with a game. And the AI is speaking and is interpreting what he's doing and making its own judgments. It's like another level. And what they've found is in this is that it, our, um, Google's ran 32 well-established benchmark tests on ChatGPT and Gemini and out of 30 out of 32 Gemini wins. I think the real tipping point here will be when people start using it themselves. Tests are fine, but when it's how humans are using it. That's why mm. ChatGPT got talked about so much and why people like us, marketers, were like, hmm, maybe I could use this to write me some content. Yeah, it's so intuitive and easy to use, isn't it? And anyone could, anyone could do it. So um, I've got a question, Chris. Is AI, artificial intelligence, actually intelligent then? That's a good question, isn't it? It is a good question. Thank it's you. not entirely um, intelligent. AI involves the creation of algorithms and models that enable machines to process and analyze data. That's why it's only as good as the prompts you give it. And I say it sometimes hallucinates, and it makes they call it AI hallucinations. It gets things wrong and makes stuff up. And the problem is, is you're pumping things into you know Bard or ChatGPT or Gemini now as we're talking, and it still does hallucinate. And AI has still got biases built into it. That, that, is, a, that is a problem. 
But I tell you what, it's getting more intelligent by the day. And when when is it its own intelligence? I'm not saying it's there yet, but Chat um, OpenAI and ChatGPT are working on. Um, they've said that they're working on a product that's going to make ChatGPT four, which is the paid one at the moment, look like a very distant relative, and that's launching in in early next year. So the fact that Gemini is winning on thirty out of thirty two tests with its current ChatGPT four is interesting. But what the heck have OpenAI got coming? That what what we can see here is there's a, a significant shift and there's a battle going on um, in in the AI space because there's Google versus Microsoft. That's what's going on here, isn't it? Mm, mm. Um, that idea of hallucination is quite interesting, isn't it? Because of course, with certainly with ChatGPT, there's no sources, is there? You ask a question and it doesn't give you any sources or references. And I've actually asked it for statistics into a sector with source information. And even when it provides source information, it's still a hallucination. I've actually Googled where that stat came from, and it's completely made up. So yeah. you, you do have to be careful, and we'll come on to the ethics side of it um, in a moment. Before we move on, actually, is it worth just explaining? There's a lot of kind of terminology surrounding AI, and we talk about generative AI and reductive AI, don't we? Should yeah. We just kind of explain to our listeners what the difference is right, there. So, so generative AI is AI that generates text, uh, imagery, you know, there's, there's, it, gener- it generates something from a prompt. Reductive AI is the, is the reverse. So, for instance, um, we had a um, – we're currently working with a, a legal client at Prohibition. We're working with a legal client to do a series of LinkedIn Lives for them for a great big campaign that we're working on. And as part of that, we had to re- I had to read a um, 15-page legal report, um, which was quite technical, um, and then give it my advice on how we present it properly to the, uh, on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn Live, and to the wider public. Now, to read that, I have to read it anyway, because it's a big client and it was an important piece of work to make sure that the LinkedIn Live gets the right people along and, the, and they understand it. And I need to understand it. But as a test, I ran it through um, a chat GPT um, uh, there's like a tool that you can upload and it then, it's called, uh, I think it's called Ask My PDF or something like that, but there's about 15 different types. Some of them you pay, f- uh, most of them you pay for. Uh, if you pay, you can upload a bigger PDF, basically, so 100 pages. You upload it and reductive AI will then look at the look at the PDF and it will pull out the most interesting bits. So you don't have to read a full mm. book anymore when we interview people on the podcast, Will. You can now pump in that book and it'll tell you what the book's about, the key things, the cool, the key themes and what's different, and then it can suggest you questions. The point is it reduces what you have to do and gives you the killer points. But do you trust it? Yeah, and the other, the other example I was going to quote, ChatGPT for Sheets. So it's a plugin on Google Chrome. You can then um, get it to analyze... Um, your Google Sheets. So for example, in in the PR industry, we're very used to having very long spreadsheets of media coverage. So you could use GPT for Sheets to actually analyze the links of your media coverage for key messaging and for sentiment. And that could be done in, I don't know, 10 seconds. And how long does that take an account exec to do? Half a day, probably. Yeah. A day, half a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, let's move on. So um, what's what we're interested in understanding really is is or looking at is how companies are actually using ai now um, at prohibition a lot of the work we do is advising our clients on strategy marketing strategy social media strategy and we're increasingly incorporating ai into that in terms of how they can start to use ai um, to enhance their marketing to drive efficiencies in their teams but um, when it comes to the kind of the bigger companies how are they actually using it well, the latest statistics from ZDNet say 75% of businesses are implementing or considering bans on ChatGPT, which is quite interesting. So, um, and then if you look at our people encouraging its use, um, HM government are allowing people to use it, but with caution, mainly due to the hallucinations and, the, you know, whether it can be factually accurate. Obviously, the government's got to be careful. Wall Street banks have just banned it outright. And Apple have totally banned it, apart from Tim Cook, which is quite interesting. He just sat there in his office experimenting with it, do you the, think? The big dog can do it. I mean, that amazes me, because you'd think Apple would be all over this sort of stuff. So not everyone is fully convinced yet. Yeah, but- there's, yeah there's obviously a, a fair bit of caution. And, and like I said, um, the Bank of England are looking at some sort of regulations or banning around it as well, because there's concerns around... Uh, AI manipulating financial markets, isn't there? And that's why Wall Street banks have actually banned it. I think that was a, um, they're pretty fast to do that as well. The Guardian has blocked ChatGPT owner 
OpenAI from trawling its content to protect its content because it wants you know its content to be its copyright. It doesn't want ChatGPT to be just trawling it and using it and regenerating it. Yeah, and that's I mean that opens a whole can of worms, doesn't it, about copyright law and the fact that what ChatGPT um, produces is is non-attributable. It's just it's just text, isn't it? So who knows where that content is from? And the Guardian have obviously thought we don't want to be part of that. Yeah. So our position in prohibition is we need to be cautious, but we also need to embrace it. How is it relevant then to PRs and marketers, Will? Yeah, good question. This is where we actually get really practical. Um, anyone that's been on these podcasts or been on our webinars before know that we don't just talk theory. We like to talk execution. So we're going to dig into some of those kind of use cases and actually um, you know, how you guys can actually take AI technology and actually um, drive efficiencies and improve, uh, you know, improve what you're doing with it. So... Um, when we look at marketing, first of all, um, Tech Republic has done quite an interesting study looking at the current most popular use cases of AI in marketing. So unsurprisingly, content creation comes top. Um, 46% of marketers use AI for content uh, content creation. Code development is second, and then analytics is third. And they're the top generative AI use cases by marketers. And there's a theme here. A lot of these are quite time-intensive tasks, aren't they? You look at content creation, and we're not for a moment suggesting every press release, feature, or website content is going to be overnight replaced by AI because it's the average of averages, AI. You know, you still need the human touch. You still need that kind of creative sparkle in, in your copy. But ultimately, there are massive efficiencies. And you think of the time taken to develop code as well. I mean, that's hours and hours and hours and hours out of the day. And if AI can half the time you spend doing that, then ultimately that means more time you can spend doing creative work, value-added work, or strategy. Yeah, I mean, I saw an article in PR Week um, and in Marketing Week. It was one of one of the two, anyway, and it was saying that um, the, the article was like a featured piece, and it said, treat AI content as, as an exec's first draft. It's mm. not the final draft. It's the first draft. So, you know, yeah, it will create content, and it will save you a shed load of time, but it doesn't. It's not the final thing, and you shouldn't trust it entirely. You need to double check it. But I tell you what, it will save you so much time. Mm. You can make it, and it's all down to the prompts and how niche you want to make it. The more niche you prompt, the better the, the better result that you'll get out the other end. And there's some great cheat sheets out there that you can use to get um, really good prompts. Yeah, that's an interesting. We'll come on to that actually. But um, engineering prompts is an art in itself, isn't it? And the better your prompt, the better yep. results you get. And I think a lot of people think. AI is a bit shit, but that's because their prompts aren't good enough. And it's the same on Google. If you do a very vague Google search, you're not going to get very relevant results back. So, okay, well, what are the uses of AI then? Well, in the PR industry, there's a number of established uses. R- really what we'd say, it's about, um, it's about being as creative as possible and understanding how the platforms work and how they can actually drive efficiencies. But there are a number of areas we're already advising our clients on um, on using and a number of areas we're already starting to deliver as an agency. So first and foremost, um, as with the statistics I've just talked through, content creation is, is a big use area. Now, this could be everything from writing blog posts to press releases, social media content plans, whatever it might be. And, and like Chris said, it's not about replacing creativity. It's about it's about the first draft and you know the, the reality is you know if you've got to draft a feature or a white paper you you put together a good prompt you might have a thousand words generated by chat gpt you might then spend an hour editing it adding your own points adding your own kind of tone of voice but it saves you a huge amount of time so the kind of tools we're talking about obviously chat gpt that tends to get the lion's share of attention but there's a million and one other tools there's a, there's one we really like isn't there chris called write sonic which is a kind of more of a blog um, sort of white paper type tool, but it's really good at giving you the latest stats and data points, and it actually kind of comes up with ideas, proactively yeah. comes up with ideas for blog posts. So um, content creation, absolutely um, a big area. And also when we talk about content, as we'll, we'll talk about later, you can use it to come up with images, you can use it to come up with videos as well. And you'll have seen the chat, the um, the AI-generated images on social media, and, and it's the slightly creepy-looking, waxy faces isn't it and Mm. and it is getting better every month Mm. and you also will share in the show notes actually there's also some really uh interesting slash funny slash creepy videos of people like gordon ramsay selling dog food and things like that and swearing and effing and jeffing um and it's completely generated through ai so his voice has been cloned um his face has been cloned and 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 it's it's starting to kind of um pollute the internet possibly 
and you know, and it's, there's a huge glut of content, and ultimately, um, a lot of the content isn't very good. So again, the search engines have now got a challenge. How do you get through um, to the quality content and filter out the the poor quality content? That'd be the case with blog posts, won't it? I'd, I'd imagine quite a lot of unscrupulous brands are just going to be churning out thousands and thousands of um, AI generated blog posts. Yeah, and actually. We did a bit of a test. Me, uh, I've got a technical SEO person that I work with on our content creation on our marketing for the agency. And when we, we look, we look at um, you know page rankings because we rank well on quite a lot of stuff. And we looked at blog posts that had been written by humans and blog posts that had been predominantly written by AI. As we did some tests on it, and we did notice um, on our anecdotal unscientific test that five out of about eight AI written um, blog posts did quite well at the beginning. And then dropped off a cliff, like mm. Google was penalising them. So we're not. We wouldn't be surprised if Google's out there penalising just purely um, AI-driven content. Mm. What I've ha- what I have heard with people um, like senior marketers and blog bloggers like um, that I know in the industry, they've been. What they do is they use it for the first draft, and then they start adding the real life examples and linking back to videos and reference points of what they've done in the real world. And before you know it, it becomes a personalised blog post, and it saved you a shitload of time. That's the point of it. And uh, it, but do not use AI content for search engine optimization on its own verbatim because. Google seems to be, as of at the moment, penalising a bit. Google's got a really difficult situation here trying to track all this content and make sense of all that noise. Yeah, and even more complex is then the algorithms of the various social networks trying to clamp down on AI-generated posts. So they're going to have a big challenge on their hands for sure. Um, We talked about being creative with how you can actually use AI um, to, to kind of improve what you're doing from a PR and marketing perspective. And these are some examples, actually, of the more creative uses. So crisis comms, believe it or not, can be, um, can be something you can, um, you can actually improve uh, through the use of AI. So traditional crisis comms model is you have your crisis plan, you come up with some scenarios and you test the crisis plan. But why not actually ask AI, ChatGPT in particular, to actually pose scenarios based on parameters? So for example, you could upload your existing crisis plan you could upload some information about your company and you could actually then ask AI to pose you some crisis scenarios which you then have to respond to. And that's that's a combination of um, reductive and generative AI and can be hugely uh, useful for you. Same goes for media training actually as well. Again, the traditional model for media training is we, you know, and this is something we do an awful lot of, we will um, work with a particular client or a particular brand, we will media train them, we will look at potential risk points of the business and we will conduct kind of mock interviews and and, uh, scenario testing and things like that. We did a whole podcast on media training with Guy Clapperton. Check that one out. Yeah, very, very good point. Um, But we can actually start to use AI to enhance the way we tackle media training. So for example, if we're releasing our financial results, if we're releasing a new product or a service, we can actually upload our press release or our results or whatever it is, and then ask ChatGPT or whatever tool we're using to actually ask us tough questions that a journalist might ask related to our release. So again, this isn't going to replace the need for traditional media training, but it can potentially enhance the way we deliver media training. Um, I mentioned this briefly as well. So sentiment analysis, um, and this is a really good example of where we can use something like ChatGPT for sheets. So working in a busy consultancy we know that there's an awful lot of time spent on analysing media coverage, analysing it for key messages, analysing it for sentiment. If you play your cards right, all of that can be automated. And the example I gave again was ChatGPT for Sheets, plug in for Google Chrome, and it can basically analyse all the media links um, in your spreadsheet. And typically, I mean, what do we get for a client in a typical month? 50 pieces, 100 pieces of media coverage. That can take a huge amount of time to analyse, can't yeah, it? yeah. GPT for Sheets can basically analyze it for sentiment, for key messaging, for whatever ever you want at the touch of a button. And that gives you more time to spend on creativity, on strategy, and more value-added work. Finally, idea generation. And this might make some of the creatives bristle a little bit, but AI can be used to enhance the creative process. Um, it's never going to replace the creative process, but ultimately it's a really effective way to, to, to kind of get some of those thought starters. So for example... Sometimes it's a bit shit though, isn't it? But it's another tool. I think it's another tool, just as Google's a tool for when it comes to creativity. Yeah, but you so- can't go like, you know, say I'm an in-house marketer, marketing director, I'm not going to go, um, I work for EDAM, 
write me four marketing campaigns that are going to be used in 2024 and then it'll do it and then it produces them and it's like take a take a little tour around the uk and produce it it's it's just really bang average is what yeah it's about understanding the use cases so i would say it's never going to come up with a killer campaign it may come up with some insight for you yeah but it's things like blog titles. So if you're struggling for blog titles, if you're launching a campaign and you need a name for the campaign, um, in actual fact, without giving too much away, I think um, the name of our podcast yeah. was inspired by uh, was. AI, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. and um, The name so, of today's episode has been as well. Yeah, so there we go. So it augments the creative process. It doesn't replace it. And, it, and, and be aware of the limitations. Like Chris said, it's never going to come up with an amazing award-winning marketing campaign for you. And well, it could do if you have an amazing prompt, but it yeah. probably won't at this point, will it? Not yet, but it could could do soon. They're tools to help you do a, do your job more effectively. It's there to help you do a jo- do the jobs you don't want to do to for you to be more effective. Now, a fascinating use of AI, which we've actually been experimenting with over the last few months, is um, persona development. Now, we do an awful lot of persona development at Prohibition. We have a whole suite of tools that help us develop um, really. Um, effective and impactful um, brand personas. So, for example, we'll use things um, like social media listening tools, um, audience insight tools, everything like that. All of that's still absolutely relevant. But what we can actually do as well, which is a starting point, is put in a prompt. We'll share this prompt, actually, in the show notes. But you can actually put a prompt into Bard or ChatGPT um, and ask it to come up with a um, an audience persona. So the types of thing you would include, job title, the business category that you're in, your your mission, your company size, where you uh, where you kind of where you're active geographically, what your business objectives are, and the kind of desired output. So, um, just to kind of bring that to life, I'll read um, a, a prompt that we put together. Build a persona for a marketing director of a ten million pound not profit in the southeast with a mission to provide better access to healthcare resources in underserved communities. The goal of this person is to create a more effective fundraising campaign through digital marketing. Please include specific details about goals, pain points, and decision criteria. Snappy. Very snappy. But actually, you put that prompt in, and it comes up with some really interesting and, and quite um, quite thoughtful audience personas, which you can then build on and then um, refine using these... Uh, you Have you know, just talked you- us out of a load of work? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can use these things to to get you started, I yeah. think. Especially if there's brands out there that don't have big budgets to work with agencies and to help them develop sophisticated personas. But yeah, it's a good starting point. It's better than having nothing. When people say when you meet owner managers and they, you say, Okay, who are you marketing to? Yeah. Our products available for everyone. And then final points is starting to impact the creative industries as well and, and creative. So everything from storyboarding for a video to generating images, there's a whole bunch of tools out there that that can do this for you and again it's never going to replace a skilled illustrator but you, you know using t- something like dolly 2 can generate images there's isn't there an ai video generator as well will yeah we've started experimenting with that actually it's called runway and essentially you put in the criteria for your video and it will actually come up with ai generated um short video clips so if you wanted for, for example you know a uh, couple in pub Horse running through field. <laughs> what an image that is. Horse running through... Hello, Lloyds. Uh, Chris <laughs> riding bareback on a horse running through a field in the mountains. Hello, ladies. Uh, whatever the image is you want, you, um, it will generate that in seconds, and then you can actually use that as the basis of a video storyboard. And yeah. the same is for images. Dolly 2, the tool I mentioned, which creates those slightly creepy images, waxwork images, but you can actually generate bespoke images. You don't have to pay for stock. You don't have to actually commission something yourself. And as a starting point, it's a really effective way to actually start putting together a really um, accurate and engaging storyboard. And, and our video team have, have started using that. So the point is there's a million and one applications that are hyper relevant for the PR, the marketing, the creative industries. What we would say is you need to be using them. You need to be experimenting. It's so much more than just chat GPT. There's a thousand and one different tools out there and think about what they can do and how they can actually drive efficiencies. That's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about actually looking at what eats up a lot of your time, where can there be efficiencies, and how can you use these tools smartly, just as the computer took over from the typewriter whenever that was. I actually used to use a typewriter years ago. In, in your first agency? 
<laughs> no, I had an electric typewriter. It was like a, in between. Oh, my mum yeah. had Like one. a word processor. Yeah, and then I went moved to a word processor and then moved to a laptop. Which Imagine is, how noisy the office would be with 30 with, typewriters going. Honestly, do you, my, I remember, <laughs> my, I remember my mum typing stuff out and using Tipex to get rid of, like, it just seems crazy now. Yeah, you can't ever make a mistake, can you? No. Okay, before we go into this bit, I've got a question for you, Zach. Yeah. AI in your job, video editing, yeah. sound editing. How are you using AI in your role and what you do? And how often are you testing different bits? Well, I use AI every day um, for what I do. It could be from sound design to storyboarding, as you just mentioned earlier. But it, there is literally a, an AI software or something coming out all the time that makes my life easier. Um, and every evening I'll scroll through Instagram and I'll find out a new technology that's just come out or something that's being updated. And then I go and implement that, you know, maybe not the next day, but the next time so I'll... Uh, give us a couple it. of examples of the good stuff because you've tested, you've tested loads because yeah. we make you test as much as possible, don't we? So what do yeah, you... Yeah. So, a couple of good examples that you use that's helped you in your video process? I'll, I'll keep it specific just to the podcast. Why not? While we're on the podcast. Um, every podcast I'll run, we've got these brilliant microphones, great sound. Um, but we run it through an audio enhancing software that'll just get rid of any background noise and make the audio sound that much better. And then, you know, to create our snippets, we'll run it through um, a piece of AI software, which will um, rank the most engaging moments that will do the best on social media. So this will be this moment, won't it? Right it now? Yeah, because I'm in it. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it will... It we will... should just retire, Chris. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Just get, get, get an AI Zach. It will, it will rank, basically, moments from the podcast. Yeah, okay. And talking of retiring from the podcast, Chris, uh, we were actually looking at what the most extreme example of using AI could be for us. Um, so I'll explain this scenario, and, um, and then I'll explain the implications of it. So we could auto-generate a podcast script. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? We mm. could put in some prompts and say, generate a one-hour script for a podcast. We would then use an AI text-to-speak app, so we would actually generate a voiceover reading the script. So we'd have a voiceover basically reading that hour-long script. We could then speak a single word into voice.ai and it will clone our voice. And they're getting better, by the way. Yeah. Every week they're getting better. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And we could actually clone one of our voices to then read this auto-generated script. Um, and what you'd have is a totally AI-generated podcast. And would it be funnier and wittier than what we can do? Probably. Just to hop in here again, I don't know if you know this, but I have genuinely done this for both of you before. I've yep. taken about half an hour's worth of your audio from a podcast, and there was one part that the words just weren't coming out right, or the sentence didn't sound right. That doesn't sound like so us. So I, re, I, re, I wrote a whole sentence or a part um, into this um, voice cloning thing and I took your voice and I made you speak a sentence which you'd never even said before and neither one of you noticed it at all. Was it slanderous? It wasn't. It, it, I, you know, I, right. I decided to <laughs> be mature about it. And, you can be uh, chief editor of this podcast, right? I want you to insert uh, at this point now a line that Will says that's quite funny that he hasn't said. Yeah, a and joke. Okay. For, the, for the podcast. A snappy little one-liner. And here is the one-liner AI generated. Hi, I am AI Will and I am probably funnier than the real Will. He is going to hate me saying this, but he once had a client meeting in Cumbria and started driving there from Leeds, but ended up at the Angel of the North in Newcastle more than 75 miles in the wrong direction. I am funny, right? Vote AI will. Yeah, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So how was that? Funny? Make, make Probably funnier than you, Will. Probably let's be honest. was, actually. Um, okay, so what we are seeing, which is quite um, reassuring in a way, isn't it, that PR professionals are concerned by the risks presented by AI. And this kind of will lead us on to the ethics, which Chris will talk um, around in a moment. So Muckrack, um, the marketing blog, um, has done some research on this. And um, the, it posed the question, which of the following do you think are risks generative AI poses for PR professionals, if any? So coming, uh, let's have a look. Coming top was unscrutinized AI AI output lowers the quality of content. And that's something we've talked about, isn't it? The fact that suddenly there's going to be a glut of AI-generated content. Um, and does that mean an overall dip in the quality of content out there? It probably does, actually. But then the search engines and the social networks are going to get more sophisticated. Yeah. So probably we won't see it. Secondly, um, younger slash newer PR professionals don't learn the principles of the profession and rely heavily on tools. 
I actually think that's a bit of an unfounded fear. That's a bit of a it's a bit of a Luddite attitude, isn't it? Because actually it's just the evolution of PR, isn't it? It's, it's using tools in different ways. I, I suppose the danger is if PRs entering the profession don't learn basic writing skills and, and, and rely um, you know, naturally on, on generative AI. Writing, I think, and creativity will always be core PR skills, won't they? Everybody has to be able to write to, to be, yeah, a, a, definitely. be an effective marketer or an effective PR professional. Clients think they don't need... Um, content creators anymore that's 56 percent of people are concerned about that and that's quite an interesting one um, and then audiences get overwhelmed with so much content it's harder to actually get cut through 33 percent. and i think that's that's actually the same point as the first one isn't it but i actually think the algorithms will naturally filter out this kind of ai generated noise and the very bullish three percent are not concerned by any aspect of ai which they're is probably quite, leaving the industry yeah they probably are they're retiring so can we avoid it in pr chris is that is that is that likely or are no? We... I don't think we can avoid. It. You can't avoid innovation. If you if you're sat in whatever job you're in, marketing, comms, PR, whatever, you you have to look at using these tools to help you speed up your job. And it, 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 other people are using them, so we have to all be testing and learning, testing and learning, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. That's the point of today's podcast: mm. is to try and help people steer them in the right direction on think just thinking about little things that you can do and use. Um, like how can you perfect your AI strategy? We've been advising clients on how to how to roll. We do like a, an AI workshop with our clients where we'll, we'll go in and we'll analyze what they're doing and which tasks we can help them optimize with various AI tools. And that's more of an in-depth couple of hour session. But it really, really helps because you, you're identifying the things that they're doing in their work processes and you give them a new sort of strategy and it can save them tons of time. That's the point of it, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the killer benefit for me. You know, as as kind of marketers and PR people, we've never got enough hours in the day, have we? You know, literally you could you could work and work and work twenty four seven and you still wouldn't get your 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 to do list done. But the point of AI is it can drive real efficiencies and actually give us that breathing time to focus on strategy, on creativity, and mm. on real adding value. Um, and that's that's the uh, the major benefit as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think there's a lot of fear. Um, well, a lot of this is scaremongering, actually. But you know, the fact that AI is suddenly going to um, replace the need for um, skilled workers in the economy, and I think obviously certain industries um, that, that that is the case. But when you look at marketing and PR. I don't think it's going to necessarily replace people, but people will have to reskill, won't they? I think there's going to be a need for people to yeah, learn. Yeah, there was a really important brand new report entitled The Impact of AI on UK Jobs and Training by the Unit of Future Skills in the UK Government Department of Education. And that looked at which sectors were most at risk from AI. If you're a roofer and you're listening to our podcast, good news, guys, AI is very little risk. Uh, in, similarly, with farmers... Um, and people that work in manufacturing, uh, uh, they, they've got less at risk and they're less exposed via AI. However, professional occupations such as management consultants, accountants, psychologists, PR professionals, marketing people, yeah, it is quite a big risk to our jobs, but not right now. It's coming, though. It's yeah. re- we've, got to be, we've got to prepare for it. Yeah, I mean, I'd have thought things like accountancy in the legal profession, I mean, so much of their time is on... Um, putting together very, very complex um, legal papers. They're obviously, the whole business model is billing by the hour. Yeah. I'd be a little bit concerned if I was a lawyer. Maybe it means their accountancy fees are going to drop next year, Chris. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) So we've talked a lot about AI, the use cases. It's coming, whether you like it or not. I think that's clear. Um, The one thing we can do to get better at AI is to look at how we craft our prompts. So the better your prompts, the better your results. And I think there's a tendency to look at AI and think it's a bit shit, it doesn't really work. But that's down to your prompt, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I've got some good news. So prompts are really big, and Will's about to just explain a few of the the prompt bits and pieces. But um, in November in 2023, so very recently, um, OpenAI rolled out custom versions of ChatGPT. Um, and I'll, I'll say what it says here. Anyone can easily build their own GPT. No coding is required. You can make them for yourself just for the, your company's internal use or for everybody. Uh, creating one is as easy as starting a conversation, giving it a few instructions and extra knowledge and picking what it can do, like searching the web, making images, analyzing data. And you can go, if you go to chat.openai.com um, slash create, you can create your own. But there's loads in there that have already been created like customized chat GPTs for yourself, 
really, really powerful. I've seen some good examples of them. So check that out. Okay, so quick guide on how to create effective prompts. First of all, we need to treat prompt creation as an art. Um, and we really need to spend time on refining and testing and learning when it comes to creating great prompts. Um, there's actually some guidelines you can look at. OpenAI, we'll put this in the show notes. OpenAI has produced a really useful guide to creating effective prompts. Um, change your mindset as well. So typically, um, AI tools won't be rubbish. They tend to do what you ask them to do. And if they're not producing the results you want, then probably you're not asking it to do it in the right way. I actually read somewhere that you're supposed to be polite with AI. Yeah, if it's, there's, there's data that proves if uh, there's data that's proven if you say please and thank you to your to these AI bots, you get better results. But that's imposing. And this so, is something. So um, please listen. This is something um, Stephen Waddington was talking about, wasn't it? Around how we previous episode plug. Yeah, absolutely. How we're imposing human characteristics on 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 uh, on computers. In effect, it's like the way we say thank you to Alexa when asking mm. her to her it. Yeah, I'd say her. I think yeah. it's a her, isn't it? Well, it turns out what voice you've got. I've got um I've got You've got Chris's voice on you. I've got <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I find it very soothing. Um, Imagine that. Yeah. That'd be awful. That would be awful. You just give me abuse. Yeah, I would. I would. Um and finally practice and share team knowledge to get better at creating prompts. So don't just work in a silo. When you find something that works, share it with your team. Have a central resource where you're sharing knowledge about what prompts work really well. So we've got this at Prohibition, for example. So the um, the persona prompts, I did a little workshop on it. We've now got a whole range of different persona prompts that can be used as, to, as, as a way to kind of enhance our broader persona offering. So um, communication is absolutely key. Okay, um, should we talk about a few tools? I mean, this this is fraught with, uh, with risk, isn't it? Because we mentioned a tool and the chances are in a week's time it's been updated it's changed it's been discontinued but, but you, you, m- useful tools for for ai yeah yeah so let's let's go through a few um tools that we love using at the moment so zapier um so you know you can create zaps to do things well now you can use uh, you can plug ai in and basically it can automate those tasks that you were zapping um so i mean zapier is always um if this then that type technology so you say if somebody sends me a tweet add them to our crm well, AI can enable it to do much faster. So check out Zapier if you've never used it. Um, show notes. Well, this is for people that have got podcasts. It creates show notes, converts your lengthy podcasts into brief summaries, finds specific information, highlights key points and more. Um, we, we've got our own sort of one that we use for our podcast. Um, we've, all, we've already covered um, GPT for Sheets and Docs, which is redactive and analyzes documents and Sheets, uh, Google Sheets and, and, and uh, Excel Sheets. Yeah, I mentioned um, Runway earlier. That's that AI-powered video editing and video generating software. We actually use it um, to put together video storyboards, but there's a lot of other uses um, of it. And there's with, with most of these, there's a kind of a premium offering and a, and a freemium yeah. offering, isn't there? And then we use, there's a tool called Writesonic that Will mentioned earlier. But Writesonic is built on ChatGPT, but it's um, it's a really sophisticated um, like blogging content platform. There's, there's others out there, but this this uses the latest version. Depending on how many keywords you want to use, you can make your content really, really specific. And it's now got an AI in, built into it that will analyze your content and then make recommendations over what will work better on Google. So, um, you know, I did make, I did warn earlier about AI content with Google. I say that the best content is written by humans, so add your own references and examples of real life. Um, but it is a great starter, and it is, it's paid for, but it's about – I think it's about three four hundred quid a year, but it's mm. worth it, worth a play around with because you'll be able to turn out turn out some interesting blog content. Um, and we mentioned the fact that it's not just Chat GPT. Um, there's thousands and thousands of other tools which can be, to be quite honest, can be pretty hard to keep up with at the best of times. There's a tool called there's an, an AI for that, and that's essentially an AI database. It's got about seven thousand AI tools on it at the moment. Essentially, you can search via keywords um, and look at um, look at the most appropriate tool for you. So, all of this talk about AI, Chris, it sounds pretty risk free to me. Is that a fair assumption? Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> There's quite a lot of risks, and the ethics and the risks is one of the reasons why there was a um, there was an, an AI summit up in, I believe it was in Scotland. Um, with uh, I think it was in Scotland. Was it in Scotland? Was that when Elon Elon Musk yeah, was there? Was he was that, Elon Musk was there, wasn't that was, he? That was quite a surprise and quite a coup for the prime minister, wasn't it? Suddenly appearing. Yeah, but who's listening to whom there? Is is you know that, there's a whole debate around that. Um, yeah, where does the power lie? It so, lies with Elon, doesn't so, it? So 
your question about AI and misinformation, I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to concentrate on how that it can be used in, in a negative way. So there was a story on the BBC in December um, where the the journalist created a um, the, the, one of these custom GPTs, and they called the entire. They created it and they called it. Um, crafty emails and told it to write text using techniques to make people click on links on and download things to them um and basically the bot was able to craft highly convincing text for some of the most common hacks and scams so some of the scams that we've talked about that we were talking about before the show was hi mum that text scam where people had sent texts well um crafty emails was able to write the text pretending to be a girl in distress using a stranger's phone number to ask a mum for money for a taxi which is a really common scam. The Nigerian Prince email, it did that. Um, it did um, the smishing test um, one, which is it created a text pretending to give away free iPhones. So it had used social engineering techniques like need and greed principle, apparently the AI has. So, And then there was a crypto giveaway scam, which, which was pretty bad. And it's also doing um, phishing emails, but bespoke to so misinformation and the way that AI is being used is scary. Um, we do need to be aware of it, and they need to get a, get a hold of it. It's why they had the AI um, summit here in the UK with Elon Musk, as Will just said. Um, yeah, but there's no legal um, policing of this, really, is there? And and that's unlikely to change. But how do you police something that's global as well? In multiple languages. Now you've got AI that's writing in English, but it doesn't doesn't need to be in mm. English. It could translate it into seventy five different languages within three seconds. It's it's insane. It's, it's, um, it's, so it's, how, how do you police that? How do you stop the Chinese or the Russian governments from hacking things using special phishing emails that are pretending to? There's there's all kinds of different things and that need to be need to be considered for AI and weapon the weaponization of it. But it can happen, and it is happening already. Yeah, and the, uh, another flashpoint will be the UK to a degree, and the US elections next year. Um, you know, we already we already heard about the Cambridge Analytica scandal a few years ago, um, potentially influencing um, the Trump, uh, you know, the Trump presidency, um, him getting into power. Um, it's quite alarming, actually, to think about the role AI could play when it comes to the next US elections, isn't it? I don't, I don't, you know, and, and how will that be regulated? I've got no idea. Yeah, um, yeah, that that is worrying how how it's going to be used, and, and similarly used on social media platforms to scrape data and create fake profiles with people in the right tone, sending messages to people. All that stuff can be done. Similarly, um, the fake images thing. I love the fake image. Did anyone see the, the Pope in, a, in the big white puffer jacket, which just went viral? That was amazing. Um, that was, yeah, and, it, and it was really good. Check it out if, if you haven't seen it. Just Google um, fake Pope in white puffer that's jacket. Quite a realist, that's quite a realistic um, generated image, isn't it? It's not typical yeah. of the, the images. It's really it's quite clear as well. Um, the, it had millions of people downloading it. There's other there's other issues as well. There's like the the legal the legal side of things. So, um, Getty Images um, sued uh, an AI art generator called Stable Diffusion in the US um, for copyright infringement. And then basically, in the when we did the webinar, we showed an image of we had Jordan Henderson tackling a Tottenham player, and then the AI generated an image that was very very similar, but the the logos looked different and the faces weren't quite there. And uh, yeah, so Getty Images is, is suing for using because what it's doing is scraping the images and then recreating them, even if you haven't got them. Uh, who owns that copyright? Um, and you know that's that's why they're suing them. So these the, the argument is that these systems have been trained using you know images from Getty Images, which it hasn't given permission for. So yeah, and that could open a whole can of worms, couldn't it? I mean, you think of every stock image or stock video provider; they're going to yeah. follow suit, aren't they? Yeah. UK, US, and EU have all got different copyright laws, so there needs to be. We need to come together and figure out a route forward on this. The other issue for me is um, the pace of change is so rapid, isn't it? So um, you know, you think about what's happened in, a, in just a month in terms of AI developments, um, and, and this is quite alarming. I mean, it's got massive implications. It's got implications on the advertising and marketing industries. Um, so the question is. Will we be able to keep up? And this taps into that idea of digital Darwinism. The fact that the pace of technology may increase at such a rate that organisations and companies can't actually keep up. 
I think I think we need to keep up. It's whether the police and the legal systems can keep up. They can't even keep up with blooming streaming, never mind AI. AI is it's crazy. I think it's going to be the legal systems and the frameworks that's around the ethics of using AI. But all countries are using it. That's the that's mm. the worrying side of it. It's like, you know, the UK can do whatever it wants to protect and the US can do it create its own laws. But what about the other? What about states that aren't under the Western control? And I'm not saying they're better or worse. I'm just saying that are they going to get involved? It doesn't stop some other rogue state doing some sort of weaponization and using it in another way. But I would say if you're worried about keeping up on AI, just keep listening and reading to various bits and pieces. Try and stay up on, on top of it as much as you can because there is new stuff coming out all the time. But all it's going to help you do is speed up things a little bit quicker and that's it. Don't worry too much. Don't, don't get the, the fear of missing out thing. I think it's just keep, keep reading and be open to innovation. Yeah, for me, it's just, it's just using the tools. I mean, there's so many out there. Just experiment with tools and, and look at what's right for you. That idea of governments keeping up. I mean, um, when we did the Andrew um, Bruce Smith podcast, he was telling us that graduates um, in AI um, in the UK are now being snapped up by Silicon Valley, and they're looking at kind of starting salaries of $500,000 a year. So the top AI talent is being snapped up. So where is the expertise in government? I mean, in central government, there just isn't anybody with that level of expertise. Um, so how on earth is government going to no, police no. this? Or, or it's, exactly. it's quite alarming, They'll isn't it? They'll have to create it? an AI government. Yeah. Um, um, discussion um before we move on um should we actually divulge the use of ai and i've seen different schools of thought on this some mm. people will put a f- you know a footnote um on um you know on, on on a blog post that they might have used to influence uh, to to research a piece of uh, content would we divulge the use of google though if we if we i just google? think that's over the top right the world's most annoying legal requirement is do you want to accept these cookies? It's that sort of thing. It's 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 pointless. Do we like divulge? I get that a hundred percent content that's just created by AI is not ethical, but to get everybody, everybody's then got to say I've used AI for twenty five percent of this article. Mm. I think we've just got to accept that everybody is going to be using it, or you know, currently the seventy five eighty percent of people are using it regularly. So I think we're going to have to just assume that people are using it. Um, but I, I've seen the reverse of this world. So I've seen people. There's a guy called Christopher Penn who I who I read and listen to sometimes, and his his newsletter starts with this newsletter was completely written by 100% the human being that is Christopher Penn, um, which I always think's a bit weird. But it's it, it's quite interesting that he's saying and he because he talks a little bit about AI mm. and um, he's basically saying that it's all done by humans for for his side of it. So it's quite interesting. Yeah, the ethical side of it, there's there's a, there's a lot of kind of literature on this and we'd encourage you to kind of to, to read it and, um, and and make your own mind up really. There's a couple, we'll, we'll link these up. The CIPR has got a really good guide, Ethics um, to Artificial Intelligence in PR. That's, um, is that a combination of Stephen Waddington and Andrew Smith? Yeah, it's a few of them. There's, a, there's yeah. a panel, I think. Yeah. yeah. But the CIPR is a really good resource. And if you go on their website, there's a whole load of kind of downloadable PDFs, which which give you the, the kind of the lay of the land. A lot of it's quite common sense, I think, when it comes to the the ethical side of things. But they're definitely worth a read if you're serious about communications. And then we've we've plugged it already. But if you if you've liked what you've heard about today, I definitely recommend you coming to listen to um, our podcast with Andrew Bruce Smith, which is called Unleashing the Potential of AI in Marketing. Um, which is where we go into other areas, a little bit different, but it's similarly very, very interesting. It is a fascinating area and it's moving quickly, as Will said. So, yeah, check that out. And just to conclude things, Chris, do you want to, um, let's do an AI-generated thank you from Chris. So you're going to hear it now. Thanks for listening to the Socially Unacceptable podcast, everybody. Please like and subscribe if you enjoyed today's show. It means a lot to us. And I'd like to say a special thanks to Will for joining me today and being an incredible co-host. But most of all, thanks to our brilliant production team. From the filming to the editing, you do an amazing job. How was that? (laughs) I don't know. I haven't heard it. (laughs) Um, So thanks for listening to Socially Unacceptable, uh, this bonus episode on AI. Uh, don't forget to click the subscribe button. We need every single subscriber we can get. We're also looking for our 
furthest listener around the world. So where if you re- if you're not in the UK and you let, drop us a message and let us know um, where you are listening because that, that we find that fascinating. Um, if you did enjoy the show, please leave us a review. All reviews are read. We re- I'll reply to all of them if I can. So please let me know. And hi, mum. So thanks for listening. All about AI. Unfortunately, we haven't got an AI generated ending. So we'll just say thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Socially Unacceptable. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to follow us on social media on Instagram, TikTok and LinkedIn at Prohibition PR and Twitter at Socially UA. We would love to hear some of your career fuck-ups so we can share them on the show. For more information on the show, search Prohibition PR in your search engine and click on podcasts. Until next time, please keep pushing the boundaries and embracing the socially unacceptable. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the endless cycle of social media updates? Feeling like you're shouting into the abyss without any true engagement or impact? Imagine if your social media efforts could be streamlined, targeted and effective, where each post you make resonates with your core audience and builds your brand effortlessly. Introducing Social360, our comprehensive social media audit and strategy program designed to turn your online presence into a powerful, engaging and rewarding experience. With Social360, you'll learn how to craft impactful content, engage with your audience more authentically authentically and see all real results in your engagement and reach. If you'd like to find out more about whether the Prohibition 360 is the right fit for your social media goals, then I invite you to use the link in the show notes to book a 30-minute strategy call with me. During that call, you and I will work on your social media strategy and objectives, and leaving it, you will have a custom recommendation for your social media strategy in 2024. So just click the link in the podcast and I'll see you there.